The following program is recommended for ages 18 and over due to adult content. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Behind the Scenes, a look at some of the sometimes steamy inside of Hollywood with your host, Hollywood executive and former Victoria's Secret model, Summer Helene. Our program features the gossip, the dish, and the stories of what's really going on behind your favorite movies, television shows, and celebrities from the people who are involved in the industry. Now, here is your host, Summer Helene. Do you have a desire to be famous? Do you want hordes of people screaming your name? Then ask your therapist if Hollywood's right for you. Hollywood, where you can work your entire first year as an unpaid intern, followed by a mandatory minimum 18-hour workday with guaranteed unpaid overtime. Where sexual assault is so commonplace, you get to sign a waiver promising not to sue even before you start your new job. Warning, side effects may include insomnia, heavy drug use, thousands of dollars in therapy, alcoholism, anorexia nervosa, bulimia and or obesity, depending on your job or role, hallucinations, loss of integrity, complete loss of moral compass, bleeding from the fingernails after trying to claw your way to the top, as well as excessive chapping of the lips from kissing everyone's ass. If you have these or any other side effects or begin to question your life choices, Please contact your therapist because nobody in Hollywood gives a damn. Hollywood, shut up and take it. Good day, guys. Welcome to Behind the Scenes. I'm your host, Summer Helene. I just yeah. Even with that warning, people are still coming out. So yeah, I know. We We're still here. So mm. uh, well, they're trying to shut the Oscars down. <laughs> that that'll never happen. I mean, I don't. Th- I think this year, what we don't have a we don't have a host. We don't. It's also getting less, uh, there are less and less viewers each year. It's really getting bad. Like, there's less and less interest in it. Mm-hmm. People are more interested in the Razzies than they are the Oscars. Well, they, they tend to, because everything's so politically polarized these days, they tend to shut out about 50% of the audience that would normally watch this. But, you know, uh, that yeah yeah uh, conservatives actually do watch the Oscars too so you know well, what are you gonna do? I think I think what catches me with the entire thing, you guys will have to excuse me. I've had the flu for a week, so I'm losing my voice. And unless I go into like a weird falsetto, it's kind of still croaky. Um, I think what catches me with the Oscars, the more that's come out about it with people finding out that the awards are bought and that, you know, it, it's kind of people are realizing it's WWE instead of boxing. So they're turning to, it, it's true. So they're turning to more of the uh, more honest award shows but everyone still likes the red carpet turnout and i'm not going to knock the oscars you know i i know a lot of people involved they're great people i just don't what's a nice way of saying it i don't know i've just i've never been a huge fan of the oscars well, i've been watching it since i was a kid I, uh, and i don't think i've i don't think i've ever missed them and i'm not missing them this weekend of course uh, not. But uh, I mean, remember last year uh, when Jimmy Kimmel says we don't make move we don't make movies like Moonlight to make money. We make them to um, piss off Mike Pence. That's funny. Yeah, but it's not, you know that's that's still that's like half the audience. You know, at least. I think people, you know, there's there's the old quote. 
Um, I I disagree with what you have to say, but I'll defend to my death your right to say it. Mm-hmm. I think people should be able to say whatever the hell they please. Uh, with the comedians, it's the same thing. If you don't like what people are saying, speak with your money. And just, that's what's happening. People are no longer watching the Oscars because they're just tired of being lectured to that they're bad people because they don't like particular movies. And that's it. And I think <laughs> I'd like to see, you know, you don't see the most popular movies go up there. You don't see the Avengers go up there. I know Black Panther is, but mm-hmm. for the most part, you don't see those movies go up there. They're supposed to be the most artistic or the most this or the most that. But mm-hmm. the truth is all of them are bored. You know, it's really depressing. Yeah, I, well, how did Moonlight afford them? I just don't... Mm-hmm. The studio put the money in after the film did well. Yeah, we're on... Uh, it wasn't yeah. made as an Oscar piece. Do you have a personal favorite this year? I'm rooting for Bohemian Rhapsody. That, that was uh, so far the, the best The only good ones. film this year? The, well, the ones that, of the Oscar nominees. Now, I haven't seen all the Oscar nominees. I know I haven't seen Green Book. Uh I don't have what exactly what the list is in front of me, but there, I know I haven't seen all of them. I, I I'll probably. I get didn't some. even like. It's getting to the point. I don't even vote anymore, Paul. Like, <laughs> I don't even vote. <laughs> it's the worst part. No, I never had the okay. opportunity. Opportunity, maybe someday, but so far it's uh, not up to me. But I'm still watching. I just don't know how it's going to work without a host. But, you know, we'll we'll see. I don't know. I just, if they want to host, they should have gone for it. Was it Steve Martin and Martin Short did a phenomenal comedy sketch. Um, It's on Netflix if you guys want to see it. It was really, really good. They should have, I'm sure they did ask them to host, but they did a great thing. You know, just making fun of their own celebrity and how long they've been out there doing things and the fact that they're men wearing Spanx. Mm. I thought it was absolutely wonderful. But things have gotten, it's been a while. I mean, Whoopi Goldberg was funny, but who was the last really good Oscar host we had? You know, after Robin Williams. What was the last time we had a really good one? Well, I mean, I did like what Seth MacFarlane did. and I Seth MacFarlane was good. I'll give you, okay. Uh, let's see, who was, uh, yeah, I thought Jimmy again did the mo- did a polarizing one last year, which isn't good. Good. Uh, I'm trying to think who did that before that. That you know, I mean, somehow they they couldn't figure out how to get Billy Crystal to do it. You know, they're they're kind of screwed. Billy Crystal, he's just not gonna fuck around with anything. These guys have been around so long; they're not gonna deal with anything that is gonna give them drama when they can just go do what they want. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think Kevin Hart should have been able to host the Oscars. So do I. You know, uh, see, uh, a comedian said something controversial. Isn't that kind of their job? I mean, just in general. it, It comes down to, you know, most of the people bitching. Okay, and I'm going to go with this. I am, like, left of Lenin. I am incredibly liberal. But liberals are turning into fascists. When you tell people what you can and can't say, it's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Like, I stood up for Kathy Griffin and the president's head thing. I don't give a shit what anyone says. I don't care. If you find it fucking funny, 
that's fine. Unless what you're doing is a flat-out hate crime, we'll get onto the hate crime in a minute. Mm-hmm. I don't yes. fucking care. Like, you know, I kind of want to kick people in college in the head because they're making everyone's job more difficult. I'm sorry it offends you. If it offends you, speak with your dollars. But you can't, you, you can't, you can't shut people up. You can't tell people what to say. Yeah. It's just incredibly stupid. You know, the, I mean, uh, Kathy Griffith had a right to make her point. I think she made it in, like, the wrong way. Absolutely agree. I you think know. it shouldn't have been done that way. But I, I don't think, I think people should have spoken with their dollars. I don't think it should have turned into her, you know, being investigated and all the bullshit. Yeah, she, she had to be investigated. She's holding up the the, 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 the disembodied bloody head of our president. I she get, at least I, had to be investigated. I, we all know what the investigation was going to turn up. You know, that she was I just, I don't think it should have been talked about by like Sarah Sanders. It shouldn't have become, it shouldn't have engaged the White House that way. Um, That's kind of tough not to, you know. Every, please, everything engages this White House. It's pathetic. The, um, just, if the president would shut up, people would actually focus on whether he's doing well or not. The mouth. Can't. Makes all the difference. Um, and not help himself. But, you know, I wasn't a fan. People were making monkey dolls of Obama and lynching them. The White House didn't stop the world for that. So it's yeah, kind they of... They went and investigated every, every one of them. If they, but they, if didn't, they didn't. But they didn't they did, bully from not, the pulpit. Not, and well, that's my, and that's, and that's my problem. What's giving liberals license is the fact that it's happening from the White House. If they would knock their shit off, it, it, do you know the? Uh, it, I'm going to use a Dr. Phil expression. It's outrageous overshadowing. Liberals both, are acting. Yeah, in both directions. It's, it's no, no, no. It's outrageous overshadowing. What that means right. is liberals are acting like complete and total assholes. Uh-huh. Um, but because it's coming from a place you don't expect it, everyone's staring at the White House. So they're not paying attention to fascism creeping into the liberal ideal because everyone is so fixated because the White House won't shut up. It's, it, it's his behavior and words are so outrageous and it's so overshadowing everything that you're missing real problems. Mm. And that's outrageous overshadowing. It's not that one side's doing more or less or anything like that. It's that you don't expect that kind of behavior from the White House so it's considered outrageous. Right. So this everyone's is a, this focus. Is a brave new world with this White House. Yeah. Uh, so everyone's focus is there. And so what's happening is when you've got liberals turning into fascists saying you can't say this, which is absolutely against every liberal ideal, um, people are missing it because it's being so outrageously overshadowed by what's yeah. happening at the White House. You've got, you know, the White House attacking Kathy Griffin. And if they hadn't, the public would have. It, that's the outrageous overshadowing. So what happens mm-hmm. is everyone is missing yeah, what needs what, to be caught. And that's, and that's what I meant by it going in both directions. Both sides are being relatively unreasonable. Both sides well, that, that's, have gone bonkers. So, I, I agree with that. But the term outrageous overshadowing simply mm-hmm. means that one thing garners so much attention that you don't see the problems on the other side. Right. Yeah. It's really easy to say, you know, 
um, Jimmy Kimmel shouldn't have said that. Well, with the outrageousness coming out of the White House, people go, well, he's upset. Not, hey, that should be no excuse. This should be bipartisan. So the it, it's that's outrageous overshadowing. Mm-hmm. Um, when no, something, I, get what, I get what you're saying. I just see it coming in both directions. You know. I don't see any outrageous overshadowing from the left. I mm-hmm. see it. Do, nothing the left is doing is mm-hmm. overshadowing what the president does because the president has such a big platform, it can't. And if the president would just shut up, people would start to see the problems well, on the did, other side. You did have the left uh, a bit overshadowing outrageousness with the Jesse Smollett thing. Oh, that, yes. Yeah. Yeah, but that yeah. is less to do with politics. You found, you know why he did that, right? To, well, there's scuttlebutt going around. And what I mean by scuttlebutt is that these are uh, sources and maybe a bit of a hyperbole that he wasn't happy with the salary on the show. Or yeah, that was, that was what the, the show. Basically. So initially, initially, he tried a threatening letter that apparently they're saying that he mailed, uh, he, he himself mailed it to the, the, the uh, production the production mm-hmm. office of Empire. So basically, and and that's not outrageous overshadowing. That's not the the way that the term works. This uh, is just it. This would go in the category of total fucking stupidity. Mm, I'd like yeah. to remind everyone every time we swear, it go um, money goes to the Boys and Girls Club of America, <laughs> the Humane Society of America, and free waffle MMA. Cut, waffle cut, waffle cut, waffle cut, waffle cut. <laughs> um, Alexis is going to kill you for having to listen to that. Giant so, balls, so for those balls, that don't know, what we're talking about is this idiot mm-hmm. um, wasn't decided he wasn't getting enough money, so uh, the way he tried to up his press was by making himself the victim of a hate crime, which in today's day and age is a great, it will get you a lot of attention. Me too, hate crimes, all of that will get you a lot of attention. Um, and so he did, but he did it to himself. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty bad. We have to go to break. When we come back, we'll talk more about this more. <laughs> Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Can you truly be a change agent in your community? We think you can. Tune in every week for Envision with co-hosts Thomas Rosenberg and Ronnie Langer Kroger. The show is all about building an inclusive and just future by connecting people with ideas. Connect with what's happening in your community, your country, and around the world as we speak with amazing guests who are fostering change and making their communities better. Envision is heard live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Where can you learn about EasyWayPromotions.com's social media marketing, brand positioning, and more? Easy Talk Live. Where can you get tuned into celebrities in the business world? Easy Talk Live. Where can you learn about entrepreneurment? Easy Talk Live. Every week, host Eric EZ Zuli and his celebrity friends talk about global causes, offer tips and tricks that you can use right now on social media, and give you the chance to promote your projects on Easy Talk Live. Every Saturday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Have you checked out Teen Wealth Radio? It's a show for teens, their parents, and educators. Hosted by Brandy England, along with regular weekly contributors, Teen Wealth Radio will cover the topics that teens need to talk about. Plus, we discuss a book of the week and a movie of the week, and each show will offer a challenge to our teen listeners that they can share on our private Facebook group page. Be sure to tune in to Teen Wealth Radio, live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Behind the Scenes with host Summer Helene. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to bts at summerhelene.com. Now let's go back Behind the Scenes. G'day, g'day guys. Welcome back to Behind the Scenes. I'm your host, Summer Helene, and I'm already losing my voice. We are on with my co-host, host of the Militant Moderate, Paul Michael Boland. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about this idiot. So do you, he's on Empire. <laughs> Paul, do you want to give him some background on the fella? Um, um, I get some water and try and get my voice away. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, Justin Smollett, apparently he's been, I don't watch the show Empire, but he's been like a key player or a key character. Uh, uh, he's had a key role on Empire, I think, since the entire time time uh, the show's been on i guess he wasn't happy with the amount of money he was making or he was thought he was going to be in danger of being written off the show uh so he decided to do something really really stupid which is fake his own hate crime hired apparently a pair of uh, friends of his who appeared as uh, background actors on the empire show to pretend to beat him up in the, and they said that these guys came at him out of nowhere at like two o'clock in the morning and they were wearing Trump hats and they said this is MAGA country which I thought was kind of weird being that it was happening in Chicago which is an area that Hillary won very very you know astoundedly uh, but you know I was kind of giving it the benefit of the, 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 of the doubt until you know, and we still don't have all the information, you know. He, he already copped to it. Uh, no, he's actually saying that he's still, uh, he's he's not saying that one way or the other at this point. Well, there's point. a statement He's that just came out shutting up. Oh, really? Yeah, he's just sh- he's just shutting up. I guess he's hoping the grand jury trial comes in one thing and or his lawyers are saying, just shut up right now. You've made it really, really worse. If you open your mouth again, you just make it even worser, if that's even a word. Um, I find the whole thing bizarre. That's, yeah. yeah. Um, and the fact that, you know, I know people are saying, well, it was politically motivated and it's this mm-hmm. and that. Um no, well, it, it wasn't necessarily politically motivated. motivated, but it was it was more uh, they tried to use political motivations to get him more money. He tried to use a political motivation to get him more money. I, I think the whole thing is absolutely stupid. Stupid. Yes. Uh, uh, I can't speak on fully behalf on the, uh, you know, Voice Voice America or the behind the scenes show because, you know, this is yours. But. As far as I'm concerned, the military moderate podcasting, that guy's a freaking moron. Uh, this guy's a moron. 
and he should be prosecuted within uh, to the fullest extent of the law. This could have gone really, really pear-shaped in Chicago. This could have called, caused race riots. Well, I think the, the whole thing is, it turns out it was his brothers, not people from Empire. And they poured gas on him and were yelling slurs. Oh, no, no, they weren't, you know, they weren't his brothers. They were a pair of brothers. Brothers that worked with him on the show. Right. A pair of brothers okay. that from, uh, I think, uh, what was it? They're from Nigeria. So there's like a meme going around that this is the first time that uh, the, the, uh, that we screwed the Nigerian princess. You know, or something along those lines, but it's it's mean tastic at this point. Point, but yeah, and he's gonna think the thing, and this is a problem. He will get written off. Hollywood will turn on him. Like mm-hmm. there, there are some things you can do. He's apparently going to be removed from the last two episodes of Empire this season that haven't aired yet. So, I don't know really where his character was in the show, so we'll see what they do. But, you know, I've seen sh- I've seen shows uh, where lead characters wanted to get off, and boom, they just get killed out of nowhere. So, House of Cards. Uh, Chicago Hope. Uh, yep. That P- Peter McNichol, for some reason, wanted to get off the show, and just out of nowhere, he was blown away in some street violence, and that was years ago. Catherine Heigl. For being an asshole. <laughs> yeah, she gave read me the riot act wearing only a robe and a pack of Marlboros one night, but that was a whole other thing in my life. But you know. well, she's a bitch anyway. At the time, she was kind of going. I was adopting a a stray cat at a movie location, and uh, the uh, she wasn't with the film crew that I was with, where I fell in love with the cat. But that felt that crew fell in love with the cat also, and I was going to adopt this cat. And she was like, "Who the hell are you? Why are you this?" You know. But still, I think her heart was in the right place in my case. But mm, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. What do you mean they did it with Roseanne? Yeah, Alexis just texted me that. She's like Roseanne. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. For the guys writing in about Jennifer Lawrence being engaged, nobody cares. Uh, so, sorry. I did not hear about any of this, but uh, is she getting engaged too? No idea. Fair enough. Okay. So there you go. If you can write in and tell us who she's getting engaged to, we'll give you a free ride. There you go. Yeah, that's that's the Palm trivia question. In Palm Springs, California. And I do want to give a quick shout out to our friends and you know, everyone that owns my ass, Adrian Alcantara Hair Studios. Thank you for always making me red carpet ready. Aspen Mills Bread Company. We love that you support charities. Scott Haskin for the wonderful music. I cannot wait to see your upcoming show. Um, Flat Black Art Supplies. They support the charities we support and we appreciate them. Aloft Hotels in Seattle and Phoenix. Off-road Rentals. Thank you for the ATV giveaways each week. Vinyl Styles Prints and Designs. And the New Palm Springs Diet by Dr. Russ. Uh, you spray it under your tongue and you lose a bunch of weight. And an MMA fighter friend of mine just used it to cut weight. And apparently it worked really well. And Griggs Vacuums because Alexis puts you on this list every week. Our giveaways this week are for Offroad Rentals and Palm Springs, California. True Rest uh, Floats in Sedona and Las Vegas. And we have a, mon- uh, a painting from Pino's Palette uh, that we're giving away as well. So... I'm excited to be giving those away. Our first question is, who the hell is Jennifer Lawrence engaged to? And, <laughs> and why does anyone care? 
And can you tell us anyone else that got killed off for doing something really, really stupid? Killed off of a show. And then, Paul, the last question is for you. Anything you want to ask? Okay. Who's hosting the Oscars this year? (laughs) There you go. Answer who's hosting the Oscars. (laughs) My goodness. And when we come back, we'll be on with Chance Raspberry, a Los Angeles-based animator, cartoonist, and an artist born in Memphis, Tennessee, raised in San Fernando Valley. Chance began showing um, a profound interest in drawing and cartoons at the age of 12. That interest turned into a passion he spent his entire life accomplishing, a full-time animating career. He attended several art schools, including the CalArts CSSSA program, the Animation Academy, that's a big one, Otis College of Arts and Design, and the LA Academy of Figurative Art. That is a lot of art schools. Mm. However, it was Cal State Northridge internship at the film uh, Roman Animation Studio that landed him his 12-year career as the lead animator and character layout artist on The Simpsons, Mm. which I'm always excited about. While mastering his craft and skills there, Chance spent his off hours creating and develop his own, he, developing his own original animated series. The show is entitled Little, Little Billy and is inspired by his own life, growing up with Tourette Syndrome in the 1980s America. It's the world's first and only animated series about uh, life with a neurodiversity. Little Billy is currently in production on Patreon and can be followed and supported at littlebilly.com. The first comic strip was just released and the first animated short is on the way. So I'm actually excited to see that. Uh, yeah. And uh, I know, I'm sure people, like how many years has Simpsons been on at this point? My God. 415. Mm-hmm. Somewhere around there. Yeah. But I'm excited to see this little Billy thing. It sounds really cool. Um, I'm losing my voice. I've been sick for two weeks. I'm Sam Helene. We are on with my co-host, host of The Militant Moderate, Paul Michael Bolin. When we come back, we are going to be on with Chance Raspberry, and I'm really, really, really excited to ask him questions because I love his work. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to see little Billy. We'll be right back. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com If you are interested in real estate in America's largest city or anywhere, be sure to listen for Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Although our focus is on Manhattan and other real estate markets in and around New York City, we'll have plenty of information that will help you successfully buy, sell, and close a transaction no matter where you are in the world. Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco can be heard every Tuesday at 9 a.m. in New York, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. What defines your success? 
Is it success in your business? Success in your personal life? Is it more money? Is it meaningful relationships? How about your passion? Listen for Taking Care of Business with host David Wallach. David's guests share their challenges and what they did to overcome them. What if you can let your passion for success lead you to your success? Taking Care of Business is broadcast live every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time and 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. listening to Behind the Scenes with host Summer Helene. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to bts at summerhelene.com. Now let's go back Behind the Scenes. G'day, g'day, guys. Welcome back to Behind the Scenes. I'm your host, Summer Helene. My voice is really leaving. This is really, really bad. Um, I am very, very, very excited to introduce our next guest. I know I read you guys his bio, and I'm just going to bring him straight on. I know you're already hitting me on Twitter and asking a bunch of questions. I'd like to invite uh, Chase Raspberry on the show. Welcome. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. I appreciate you guys having me on the show. Oh, we're excited to have you. I was reading about your upcoming Little Billy uh, and your Little Billy cartoon. Yeah, thanks, Summer. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's it's uh it's been in production now for quite some time, and uh, when you're working on a show like The Simpsons, you really don't have a whole lot of personal time. Uh, it keeps you real busy. There's a lot of overtime. There's never not a deadline. <laughs> so um, I've been doing this in my in my spare time, and I'm finally working on Little Billy full time now. That's really cool. I know I'm getting I'm getting like Twitter blasted. Everyone's like, ask about this, ask about this on The Simpsons. But I'm excited for Little Billy. That's that's really really cool to have a character like that. Um, yeah, thank you. How are you looking at? Can, can you tell us a little about the show and how you're looking at presenting him? Is it going to be comedic? Is it going to be more serious? Yeah, a fantastic question. I'm glad you asked that. And actually, um, I'd like to start responding to that by by touching a little bit on on what you guys were talking about before about um, the one possible reason that people don't watch the Oscars as much as far as like feeling maybe like they're being lectured to. And there seems to be like that's kind of the way I feel about all of entertainment nowadays. There seems to be kind of like this this agenda with almost everything that comes out in whatever the genre is, you know, regardless of that, it, it, there's a lot of stuff that feels like there's an agenda tied to it. And I feel like the, you know, in a lot of the ways that's good because there are these good causes and strong messages that are trying to be sent. But a lot of the time what happens is the agenda overshadows the story factor and the entertainment factor. And then you get this, like that feeling that you're talking about where people don't particularly like it because maybe they're feeling preached to or lectured to, and, and you lose the entertainment value, and, and then the message ends up dying before it can even get across because people stop listening. So with Little Billy, what I'm trying to do is create a classic 
traditional entertainment production, like uh, the 1980s movies uh, that I grew up loving, like a lot of the stuff that came from the 50s, that, you know, and just the golden age of entertainment with a really strong story, really strong characters. So there's going to be a lot of outrageous humor. Um, I'm, what I, the way I always describe it is um, there, it's not a story about life with special needs, quote-unquote. It's a story about life, quote-unquote, told through the eyes of a family dealing with special needs and neurodiversity through their, their only son. So there will be a lot of honest moments, a lot of serious stuff, but it's going to also be looked at in, like, a really positive filter and lens so that, that you know, there's a nice balance and that everything gets addressed. And it's good not to alienate about half of your audience. So. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. I'm. I'm. I. I got to You know. Like I said. I'm. I'm left of Lenin. I'm pretty freaking liberal, but I, I have to agree. I think it's gotten a little preachy. I got to agree with you guys there. Yes, and, and I. I and I don't think both of these parties can really go <laughs> themselves. So I'm. I don't have that issue. <sighs> and I don't think. You know. Yeah, you know it's voted- interesting because I don't think it's intentional either you know what i mean and, and a lot of the times it is but a lot of the times it isn't it's just that the the desire to get a strong message across can so, like sometimes the priorities get shifted and um you know i i've seen this happen in almost every production and uh and and there's a lot of great exceptions to that rule on tv mm-hmm. and in the movies uh but you just see it happening more now than it ever has and so what i'm trying to do is kind of dial it back to like a more traditional approach to filmmaking and storytelling and, uh, and, and, and get some really good, strong stuff. Because, I mean, a lot of the movies that we grew up loving had some amazing messages, but we remember them. They're timeless because the story was great and the characters were great. It's yeah, true. You don't really hear the, the whole, stu- I just love that message of the movie. No, you, you hear about, you care about the story. About you the care story. about the characters. You care about the humor. You know? Well, a, f- a friend of ours and a friend of the show, uh, Dev Ross, she's a writer. She wrote for Disney. She wrote Land Before Time, Darkwing Duck, Tailspin. She wrote all those shows. She was on like Land Before Time 3, and they told her she had to put in a Thanksgiving, it was a Thanksgiving episode with a fire safety message. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, there you go. It's like that kind of stuff. I mean, again, a great message. It's important for kids to learn that stuff as long as it, I mean, and then yes, it can, uh, it can be in, you know, sort of incorporated, but when it starts getting kind of like forced into the mix, you see it, it draws attention to itself. And even if it's not intentional, it can end up defeating its own purpose. I agree with that. Now, what is your favorite cartoon? What was your favorite cartoon? I mean, growing up. Now, it obviously has to be The Simpsons because that's kind of where you made your name. So, we'll get, go with Given for that. Or your new one would be Little Billy. But, <laughs> the, um, but, but growing up, what was your favorite cartoon? Oh, my gosh. There's so many to choose from. But, the, the, you know, that's a really good question. The first ones that come to mind would have to be the Simpsons, because uh, I, I discovered it when it was brand new. I think I was six when it started on the Tracy Ullman show. And yeah. uh, then, you know, all the stuff that was coming out, like DuckTales and the Dennis the Menace animated series, like I really liked those because they were all about adventure. And, you know, just going out into the world, uh, you know, not being inside necessarily on a phone or in front of a TV, but like going out and experiencing life. 
And so I really loved all of the crazy, you know, stories that, that came with those. And, you know, you got the action ones, too, like um, the real Ghostbusters and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were favorites of mine simply because they were full of action. And I've always been sort of a, I've had a soft spot for horror my whole life. So Ghostbusters was like probably the scariest cartoon on TV at the time. And I loved it. I ate it up. Fair enough. I was a little older, but I do remember passing around the Simpsons Christmas special on VHS when I was in college. Yeah, pencils. Yeah, yeah. My first year in college, I remember that 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 thing dropped, and I think what season one came. So I was in school like '89, and was it 1990? Was the first year of the first official full season of the Simpsons? That's correct. Fair enough. Yep. Helps now, that I was in school at the time, so I could actually the remember time. the I could remember the years. But yeah, I wasn't like I was. I was born. Like, I think The Simpsons came out uh, close to when I was born, so I'm not going to say anything. Um, so how did you? What? Okay, guys on Twitter, calm down. How did you get on The Simpsons? How did you end up there? Well, uh, it, it, that's a fun story. I, um, you know, the, the short version is I, I went to a bunch of art schools uh, and, and none of them um, had internship programs. And, and then finally the one I went to was Cal State Northridge, which did have an internship program, ironically, because you know, they're not an art school. That's the, that's the four-year school that I actually got my bachelor's degree from. And, but they had an animation program. And uh, it was at the time, which was 2004, 2006, like it was the third best animation school in the country or animation, you know, course that you could go to. So I went to their internship program and some of the guys that were already interns there actually knew me from one of the previous art schools I went to, the Animation Academy, because they had seen my art in one of their brochures. And so they're like, we recognize your name, you know, you should come hang out with us and, and we'll take you on a tour of the studio. And they were super cool guys, you know, I'm still friends with them today. And some of them are still working in the industry on like Bob's Burgers and stuff. So um, we, at the time we were just all interns and they introduced me to who I needed to meet, the head of human resources and some of the, the top animators on The Simpsons. And uh, I got a character layout test, which is basically the only form of character animation character layout is like the first phase of animation production and the simpsons is the only show that still does that in america uh they usually like every other production will outsource the storyboards to uh whatever the overseas studio is usually in korea and um they will uh you know not really even touch the layouts but the simpsons likes to keep you know really after all these years they love to maintain control of uh, animation and the storytelling mm-hmm. visually. So they keep layout in America in house. And uh, I took the test and I got hired um, on like a probationary sort of trial run. And they said, you know, if you, if you survive the first three weeks, we'll keep you on for the whole season. Well, that's fair. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, surviving <laughs> the first few weeks on any project <laughs> is a nightmare. Yeah, yeah we were there till probably like maybe four in the morning almost every day because we they see with our team they threw us right into production because what happened was this the the reason that i turned my test in when i did is that the simpsons movie had just gone into production and Mm. the artists there were two artists helping me with my test that said uh you you know you you know like this is the time to turn this in because you you've redone this thing per our suggestions 
several times, you know, I probably took it four, five, six, seven times over just to get everything just right and, and t- you know, do what they were telling me because it wasn't good enough yet. And they finally said, it's good enough. You know, it's, it's like almost perfect but or cl- close enough to perfect, but, like, even though it's not, you should still turn it in because they need artists right now. For, like, the first time in 15 years, they needed artists because of the movie. So my timing was really good, fortunately, and they, they ended up accepting it. And when I got hired, they threw us right on the team before us of new hires. They had, like, a, like a month of training. We just got thrown onto crews and, and given scenes that were actually going to air. So it was kind of yeah, just a little bit of pressure. A little bit, a little bit, a little bit terrifying. It was. was it, it was kind of trial by fire, but a lot of fun. And it was like that art school camaraderie all over again. We had, um, you know, it was like everybody was staying super late, coming in early, terrified we weren't going to make the cut. We knew we were on, you know, probation for the first few weeks. So we were, like, just trying to learn as much as we could as fast as we could. Well, they say that, you know, some of the greatest comics and comic writers and some of the greatest artists have come from The Simpsons and some of the greatest cartoonists. Um, what did you learn being on The Simpsons? I swear to God, people on Twitter, I will get to some of your questions. Calm the fuck down. I'd like to remind everyone every time we, we swear, probably we won't give get money to your questions. To, we never yeah. do. So, <laughs> I pro- yeah. Every time we swear, we give money to the Humane Society of America, the Boys and Girls Club, and of course, our free MMA. <laughs> Sorry, but seriously, calm down, Twitter. Um, <laughs> what did you learn being on The Simpsons? You are breaking Twitter, man. That's really interesting. Wow, I'm honored. I had no idea. This is, I mean, this is the first time for me. But that's well, awesome. I mean, to answer your question. Go ahead. Oh, no, please, please go. Well, just to answer that question, like, um, I, I've learned a lot. I, I would say the working on a job and learning on the job is definitely better than any school or class you can take because you are forced to not only do it, you learn by doing, but you also um, have to learn so much faster that you learn more by default because you're just constantly being challenged with new things every day, sometimes every hour. And um, so I, I feel like, I, I mean, I would just sum it up as like, you know, the, all of my fundamental skills were strengthened by working on The Simpsons, and I couldn't be more grateful for that and, and you know, humbled by that because you have – um, it's like there's so many skills that you need for animation. There's actual, you know, drawing, like the fundamentals of, of um, life drawing and perspective and draftsmanship, and then you have to couple that with the squash and stretch and overlapping, you know, action of animation, and then there's acting where you actually have to convey emotion with facial expressions and body language and the, the, all these different things. So I got better at all of that, and I, and I was really sort of pushed to, to – you know, as much as you could do. And, and the interesting thing about that, which we can get into later, you know, if there's time, but the, there's kind of a, a glass ceiling on that because, because as much as you want to push your boundaries and your skills, you have to stay within the Simpsons style. And, and so sometimes if you try to go too big or too, you know, cartoony or, or something like that, you're going beyond what the style calls for and is limited by, and so, you know, they, 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 they have to sort of remind you, like, remember, dude, you're, you're working on The Simpsons, <laughs> like, I mean, maybe this is just me, I, I go nuts with my animation, because I love to draw, <laughs> and I love cartoons, well, no, but, and what season uh, did I you jump that... on, because if you jumped on in 2004, 2005, or something, that would have been, what, season 14, or something, like, uh, 15, or something like that, 
It was really close. It was it was 2006 when I got hired, and I oh, okay. that was season 18. Was just 18 was just right. starting. Fair enough. So though, so that machine was already well oiled and moving. Right. Know? So you right. just and, and, and you definitely you don't want to mess with it. Yeah. Exactly. What was now? If you had to say one of the questions I'm getting is, what was the biggest mark you left with the Simpsons that you feel you left? Wow, uh, wow, that's a great question. I'm not sure anybody's ever asked me that before, um, and and I, I certainly hope I left a mark and a good mark on The Simpsons. Um, the the thing that I like to do uh, is is you know cartoony animation. I'm a huge fan of the old school Looney Tunes style where things are really bouncy and, and overly exaggerated, mm, and, and there's only a few times. Yeah. Yeah, there's and there's only a few times that where they let you kind of where you have to do that or where that's called for, and and fortunately I, I kind of got a reputation for for being someone who could do that and would and would love to do that and and even had to be reminded not to do that too often. So when there was a scene that called for that, they would give it to me. You know, not all the time, but as often as possible. That's awesome. I love the now. I love Looney Tunes. That's my you know. That's. Um, a wily coyote is my spirit animal, but the nice. the fact that you brought that in is really really cool because that's not something that was always in the Simpsons. It's not something they were known for, but it is something that exists in them now. Yeah, and and it's it's rare, you know. I mean, they always say the Halloween specials are the ones that they get a lot more kind of like like liberation with. They get a lot more mm. flexibility to go kind of nuts with those scripts and those shows. So. Um, I worked on about four or five of those of those Treehouse of Horror episodes in my time Which there. Ones? Oh gosh, okay. I think I, my first one was was part. Uh, it was season nineteen, so that would have been part eighteen because they're always one year behind. And um, so I think I worked on like the the eighteenth Halloween special through maybe the twenty third or twenty fourth Halloween special. Yeah, I always felt that that was like, you know, because, you know, as we said before, that machine, that, that train was moving. And you just Hold had to jump on and keep it moving. But the Treehouse of Horrors was always when you guys could go nuts and get a little... Did, were you involved in the one where Homer Simpson was eating himself? Because that one traumatized me. You know, I, I, I don't... I might have worked on that episode, but I don't think I worked on that specific story. Um, what were the other two stories again? Uh, Do you remember? Coraline. It was the Coraline knockoff, and yes, I liked. The and then Coraline. the first one was like The Exorcist, right? Was yes. it like Maggie, and she was she was like, uh, ex, uh, like had the, a demon in her? She did. She did. <laughs> if you think it's yeah, right, think yes, it's, that's right. Because that I mean, was in the pathetic. Guys correct. got way he too did. many episodes. He got the little figurine. He got the little figurine, um, Bazuzu. She's still got a case of the bazuzu. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, okay. I, I actually did not. That, that was the first Halloween special that I didn't work on in a really long time. And I think it was because I was, I was on hiatus at the time. Because oh, the still way like that. What's up? I said, then I still like you because I was really traumatized by Homer eating himself. <laughs> awesome. I'm glad I didn't. I'm glad that I was not <laughs> part of the trauma for you. <laughs> What was your favorite episode you ever worked on? Oh, wow. Um, honestly, I think it was 
probably the first Halloween, well, the first Halloween special I ever worked on, I got in like at the last minute to, to help clean up. So it was the second one I ever worked on, which was part of season 19 or 20. It was the one that where they did the, the parody of the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Oh my, that was a really good one where he found out they ate baby pumpkins. They were like gutting pumpkins and then they ate turkeys and it was all in the imagination. Okay, I, I really am a Simpsons fan, sorry. Please continue. I will be quiet. Well, there was no, that was exactly, I couldn't have said it better myself. And there were so many funny like moments in that, in that special, in that episode. Um, and the, the thing that I, I'm pretty sure this is the same episode where there was a Mad Men parody and they actually yes. did the entire opening to the show but in simpson style yep mm. and it was we wrote really a scope well. we basically wrote a scope that f- we we did like a frame by frame shot by shot uh using like youtube footage for the beginning of that uh story and really we, we yeah because because what happened was i i guess that that part like that portion or that part of the story had not been um, fully figured out yet, and I was working retakes at the time, which is like the last. It's we get all the notes back from Fox after the show is pretty much completely finished, and then they make changes. And they said we want you guys to include the whole beginning, like we it needs to be like the opening of Mad Men. So we um, we did we did like that in like I think two two and a half weeks. It was like me and and my director. And our, the assistant director, and we we just cranked it out. It was it was tons of fun, and that was one of my favorite memories and things I got to do because it was so specific, and it was like a really nice mashup that we had a lot of fun. And 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 they the fact that they wanted it to be so identical to the actual opening was really fun for us because we got to like, you know, be really you know like extreme with it and, and pay a lot of attention to detail. That's really cool. What's the now one of the questions we have, what's the biggest thing you took away from The Simpsons? Honestly, that's a oh man, these are such good questions, guys. Thanks for for bringing them to the, you know, bringing your A game here to the table. This is awesome and this is challenging. Um I think for me the biggest thing I took away from The Simpsons was the the skills I learned uh, as far as like perfecting my ability to to tell stories and 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 I guess connect with people through the art of animation and storytelling and and sort of theatrical entertainment, but also I, I guess I would say you know learning to be part of a, a production team and and how to be a team player, how to work with people, how to um, take direction, and also. Uh, that balance between taking direction and giving feedback, you know, in, inserting personal ideas or suggestions. And uh, you just, there's so many opportunities to really hone your skills and learn about animation on that show because of how great the people are. And, um, and so I, honestly, it was like, it's like everyone's been there for so long that it's kind of like a big family when you're working there you know, you just know everybody, P- people bring their kids to the studio sometimes, or, you know, when it, like Girl Scout cookie season, you've got the daughters bringing wagons of cookies around to the cubicles. It's great. It's just the best. So um, I'm really fortunate that I got to uh, experience that family dynamic. That Simpsons is like my family uh, away from my family, my home away from home, and I'm really grateful for that. 
Yeah, well, I would. My guess would be. Uh, I thought you were going to say a work ethic, but you pretty much had to have a work ethic, otherwise you wouldn't make it. That well, first three weeks, right? That's yeah. it. It's being part of Simpsons is being a part of film history. It's being a part of television history. So to even be involved, you have to have that work ethic. Um, we have about four minutes left on the show. Can you give a quick shout out? Tell everyone where to find you on social media. Mm. Absolutely, thanks. Uh, you guys want to check out um, my my new animated series I'm working on, Little Billy. You can go to littlebilly.com. You can look up He's Little Billy uh, on Instagram and Twitter. And then if you do facebook.com slash He's Little Billy, that's the official page there. He's also on Tumblr and um, Patreon, Kickstarter, and Indiegogo. Those were the old uh, campaigns I did, but there's still accounts there. So, and of course, littlebilly.com takes you to the current Patreon where everything is happening. Um, Paul, do you want to quick give a shout out and say? Um, oh yeah, uh, and as soon as we get new episodes up, they'll be uh, and old episodes are still available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, and iTunes, and of course, uh, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter pages. Uh, so that's for the militant moderate. I have to ask, um, we've got three minutes left to the show. Is there anything you want to say to the audience um, about Little Billy? I know we asked lots of questions about The Simpsons, but is there anything you want to tell everyone about Little Billy? I know I'll be watching. Um, they should check you out on Twitter. I love the animation. Yeah, I'm at the, it's really I'm at, cute. I'm at your Facebook page right now. These character design looks fantastic. They really do. Um, so is there anything in the two minutes we have left, we better be quiet, that you want to say to everyone? Oh, thank you guys so much. Well, I just appreciate you having me on the show. And, uh, yeah, if you guys will go support Little Billy at littlebilly.com, it will mean a lot and make a huge difference because this is a grassroots project. There are, is no studio involvement. I approached Fox with it. Uh, it, it was a conflict of interest because I already worked on The Simpsons. They were super cool, but they couldn't get involved. And so we're having to do this thing through crowdfunding, and it's the only way it's going to happen. You know, um, when you pitch a project like this, it gets chopped up and changed, and, and I want this to be maintained and pure. So, yeah, guys, please please just subscribe for any amount you can on littlebilly.com, and uh, feel free to contact me through social media if you have any questions. Well, distro is my specialty, so we're going to have to have a conversation. Um, oh, guys. You put a glow worm in it. Nice. <laughs> I was like, I'm <laughs> my specialty. Um, we're going to need to talk about that. I'm Summer Helene. This is Behind the Scenes. I'm losing my voice. We'll be back next week. Thank you very much for joining us, and thank you for the response on Twitter. We actually asked some of your questions this week, so you can't send us hate mail. Um, I will ask him to those who are asking if we can have him back on again. I will ask. I'm Sima Helene. This is Behind the Scenes. We'll see you next week. Thanks for checking out the show. Behind the Scenes can be heard live on the Voice America Variety Channel every Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific. Be sure to join Summer Helene for more Scoop next week.